0: Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is com. Well, well, a very pleasant good morning to you. Hi there, this is Patrick Timpone, and it's a Monday. Oh, rainy days and Mondays will get you down. We could use some rain. I could go down like that, but uh, it's going to come soon. It's October 10, 2022. A little bit later on this morning, we're going to talk with an old friend of mine who knows more about sweating than sweating. And we do a lot of saunas and uh, the benefits of sweating. And you'll be surprised at some of the new information, if you can imagine that, after many years of people doing saunas and sweat lodges, uh, the benefits of sweating. So we're gonna talk about that in a couple of hours. Uh, Tomorrow, Bart Kay, he's a fascinating fellow. Mr. Bart Kay, uh, he's a nutrition physiology guy, and he says, and nearly everything that you've ever heard about human physiology, human nutrition, and human physical performance is probably dead wrong. I recently left academia permanently because they wanted me to teach falsehoods as well as published research, author, reviewer, lecturer, and consultant. I've developed a passion for putting right the wrong. Join me on the journey of discovery. We'll talk to him tomorrow about what is the very best food to eat and the why and how we can prove it or not and that'll be tomorrow, and um, so we got some other people tomorrow too, uh, which are escaping me at the moment. Matthew Ehrich is with us uh, this morning. Matthew's a good guy. He is uh, uh, a canadianpatriot.org, but he he really gets around. He's got a little substack thing that I don't understand how that works because you know he's a geek, and Matthew is a researcher and an author and he just writes a lot of cool things about geopolitics. And he's a, he has a book on Canadian history. Right, you have a book on the history of Canada, Matthew, too? I I don't hear you. I don't hear yeah, you. Yeah, I hit
1: you by accident. Um, yeah, no, I, I have four, four books on Canadian history.
0: Four actually. books.
1: Yeah. yeah, couldn't get it all into one, I tried didn't
0: work. Hey, we're going to talk about Putin this morning, but is it true then that the the queen mom who God love her she left us Did did she really control the purse strings there in Canada?
2: Eh, Canada? No,
1: not really. really. I mean, yes and no. The the institution of the crown is somewhat different from the individual per- personality who's put into the position as, as what they call the uh the fount of all honors, you know, the the the, the crown is certainly the greatest landholder by an order of magnitude more so than any other individual on the face of the earth. Um, Most of Canadian land is legally crown lands. I think only 11% of the Canadian surface area is not crown land. So that's over 90%. Wait, wait. So
0: 90% of Canada is owned by the British crown? 90%? What 90%? 90%. 90%.
1: Wow. 90%.
0: Now, is is that his majesty in that crowd or... The Bank of England, that that crowd.
1: No, it's legally under the the control of the entity of the crown per se, and you know you have other um, emanations of the crown, institutions that control things like the crown corporations. So across Australia, mm. Canada, we have like the Bank of Canada is a crown corporation, meaning that its owner is the crown. Now, in practical terms, it tends to um, people don't see that so much because. They allow it to operate under conventional systems, but under any type of crisis, it would easily be commandeered and taken control of by those who actually do manage it uh, from from behind. You know, hmm. same thing for Britain too. like all of the, the, the uh, seashore across the entire UK, all of it up to, I think, uh, 20 kilometers, maybe more even might even be 200 kilometers. I'm, I'm, fr- I'm screwing up my, my numbers here in my head. It's all crowned. Uh, controlled by the Crown Estate, which is one of the biggest property holders in the world. But all of the all of that, where all of the, the windmills, offshore windmills, which provide now something like 25% hmm. of the UK energy, hmm. which is why the UK energy uh, situation is is so bad because right. they've put themselves in a dependency situation with windmills, worst quality of, of energy you'd, you'd ever expect. All of this is just giving money to the Crown Estate, 25% of which the, of the funds go to directly sustaining prince or now king charles and his his heir, you know wow uh inner family wow the rest wow. goes technically into the uh the coffers of the government but otherwise yeah it's um so, it's more nasty than people
0: realize. yeah yeah i can imagine so uh, the queen and now charles they get 25 percent of the take from everything that comes in from from the crown Estate, which is a lot of stuff i mean Australia, yeah, and still South Africa and in India, all kinds of places, right? To this day.
1: Well, there's there's overlap. The Crown Estate operates primarily in the UK, mm-hmm. um, in terms of controlling all the or most of the castles, most of the, the like a lot of the farmland, all of the the seabed, um, wow. a lot of stuff. Um, then you have other other sections that for me i'm still researching and trying to fill out in my mind how this really operates <laughs> you know you have managers for example there's another thing people don't know about you have crown managers and they're actually called it's a corporation called crown agents it was set up in 1833 as a private uh quad pseudo private department operating out of the uh, the colonial office it changed its name in 1996 it has one owner called Crown Agents Limited. I don't even know who the individuals are who own that. And they control, for example, when you go to their website, you Google Crown Agents, go to their website, and uh, they control and manage the energy and healthcare systems for Ukraine. Whoa. And a bunch of African countries that are part of the Commonwealth. The Commonwealth, you know, something that people think is not the empire, it is the empire. It is the center where the Commonwealth, the Commonwealth today on a map looks exactly, almost exactly like the old British Empire map of the 1920s. And if you look at where strategically things are located um i mean first of all it's still 22 percent of the global surface area you know oh yeah it's a huge yeah 2.5 billion human beings live in the, the the commonwealth zones areas like people that that think that hong kong is fully chinese controlled no they they technically went back to china in 1997, but China has still been working at extracting the British-controlled deep state that was built up over a century in Hong Kong, and today Hong Kong still participates in uh, in Commonwealth institutions, like the legal institutions, other things, and most of the the uh, the actual jurists controlling their judiciary are British nationals in Hong Kong. Wow! So it's not it, it there's and also the caribbean's you know the, the center of global sure. money laundering mm-hmm. that's these are all british barbados caribbean's isle of man it, uh, on the other side of the ocean uh, all of these money laundering centers which process most of the global narcotics um profits internationally that sustain international crime syndicates across south america across the italian mafia everything um, it's all provided by British support wow. through Shell companies, Cayman Islands, other things. Um, yeah, it's it's that's a whole, that's what the City of London is. That's
0: fascinating. Yeah. So, if we take the position, just to, in general, and I'm sure there's caveats to this, Matthew Everett, that uh, mm-hmm. the, uh, the you know the Klaus uh, Schwab boys and the Davos and the UN and this whole crowd that they control. A lot of governments certainly do in this country we know that the biden administration do they have the same juice on the crown that these people that we call globalists or whatever you want to call them do they have as much control over them as they say would with the biden administration and the joint chiefs and the congress and senate here and
1: so you're asking if, if the, the, the Klaus Schwabian uh, freaks have influence over the crown
0: As much as they do other places in the world, like the United States.
1: Oh, they're, they're, they're a lower, I mean, the, the, the Davos click is a lower order. Um, organizational force within the hierarchy of the machine. It, mm. They were, they were just brought online. Not too long. Um, not too long ago in, in the early 1971. That's yeah. not that long ago. And, this thing was largely, you know, a, a bit of a shell company unto itself uh, to create managers or to, you know, be able to better. It was kind of like a junior partner to the uh, the Builder Burger Groups, which are <laughs> a little bit older in the game. And even the earliest patrons of the World Economic Forum were Prince Bernhard of the Netherlands, who who sponsored the entirety of the 1973. World Economic Forum uh, conference, which brought online the Davos Manifesto, you know, the the whole idea of of, uh, stakeholder capitalism, (laughs) which is really just another way of saying techno feudalism. You know, (laughs) (laughs) having having corporations uh, manage the resources from above while you uh, reduce or deconstruct civilization and let the human talking cattle um, just, you know, complain as they may. Without any concern for monetary profits, so you're that that, that whole idea um, of infusing moral virtue into economic behavior from this very very perverted way because it is perverted. This is not moral virtue. This is like the oligarchs' idea of what they want, and then they call it virtue to save nature nature from human beings. Right. That's not virtue. That's, that's that always has been, uh, you know, fascism and feudalism. Now again, the 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 Davos crew. The founders, Klaus Schwab, was always just a synthetic shell, not much of a deep thinker, but he was he had no qualms with his conscience. And, and Henry Kissinger saw his talent uh, when he was his teacher at Harvard under a CIA-sponsored program. Um, this guy, uh, J- Johnny Vedmore, uh, who writes for uh, Whitney Webb's website, uh, Unlimited Hangout, did a, a wonderful uh, deep analysis, a deep dive into this whole story. Um and yeah, they, they just installed this guy. He would obey and deploy, uh, be deployed to carry out orders. Maurice Strong also was a, a key figure from Canada as, as far as like a grandfather of the Great Reset, who was a co-founder of the World Economic Forum. And, uh, you know, they, they created a little synthetic lower order version of the Rhodes Scholarship uh, brainwashing operation that had already been going on for a century. We talked about that mm-hmm. in the past, yep. called the Young, yep. Young Leaders Forum in the early 90s. So yeah, it's, it's but it's, yeah. they don't control much at all, you know. they're, it's just, they're, they're pretty it's, mediocre.
0: They're mediocre, but they put up this thick German accent kind of guy that seems like he's you know
1: whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like a, it's a it's a bad movie script. You know? it really like, it it is, is pretty
0: script. bad. It really <laughs> pretty bad. <laughs> so w- what do you think? The people that control Schwab and that you know they're really high on the food chain. Do they, in your opinion, want to take Russia over, down, kaput? We want you. Do you think?
1: Yeah. Yeah, they, they want to wipe. Wow. Well, Dick Cheney had a. Oh, and forgetting his name too. Uh, he had an associate in the nineties. Um, mm, forgetting his name, but he'd written a. He'd written about his experience with Dick Cheney uh, regarding the de Soviet um, de Sovietization. Right of russia after the after communism fell and and the guy wrote a few years later saying how disturbed he was to discover that cheney actually didn't care he, his passion was not the de-sovietization of russia it was the de uh un- actually destroying russia as an entity was what his passion and aim was it was also the same passion that animated people like zbigniew brzezinski who wrote extensively and talked about they need to carve up Russia in the 1990s, he, he, he described this in his grand chessboard, to carve up and, and destroy the Russian Federation into these micro states with little mini ethnic groups, because Russia is a very over 100 different, different ethnicities. It's a huge territory right. uh, covering like 11 time zones. So there's a lot of different diverse ethnic groups all over Russia. Hmm. And what these oligarchs and and, and social engineers will always do is they want to divide to conquer. So what they do is they inflame the the tribal passions of local minority groups. They cultivate certain stories catered to each of these groups, whether it's like Ukrainian uh, hyper-nationalists, as we've seen, who have had, had stories passed down to them, romanticizing this Nordic, you know, grander, uh, of their superior gene stock, which expressed itself so wonderfully in the fascist Ukrainian movements of the 1930s and 40s under Bandera and Nikola Lebed, who they think are just the greatest, and uh, the, the Russian undermention—you know, the Slavic dirty Slavs with their their lower genetics—have been trying always to control them like the the orcs from from Mordor, and uh, so they they are deployed then it's not like their handlers really care about the, the democracy or safety of the ukrainian people they'll deploy them and, and use them for geopolitical uh purposes as we see today or the same the same thing with uh, the 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 you know east Turkestan liberation groups of radicalized uh you know muslim chinese who uh were were brought into isis brought into al-qaeda during uh, their iraq days uh syrian war against the uh, Bashar al-Assad. To get all
0: these things and, fighting, oh, fighting with each back, other, right? To get them all fighting with each other, right?
1: Yeah, they're, they're getting little all fight and, and you know, they're, they're getting and they try to send them back to China to destabilize and destroy China as as China had suffered over 100 terrorist attacks sharing a border with, with Afghanistan. And the actual funders, the CIA, the any National Endowment for Democracy will, will always use these things. So back to your question, Zbigniew Brzezinski had been trying, he laid out programs to carve up Russia into something like 12 micro-federations to be broken up and subdued under the uh, the IMF back in the 90s. Hmm. And even today, you have uh, organizations like the Decolonize Russia Operation, which um, openly it's part of what's called the uh, the Free Russia Forum set up in 2016 by um, Gary Kasparov. It has a lot of Brookings Institute, a lot of Atlantic Council, like uh, the, the NATO think tank officials who oversee this, setting up conferences in Poland and Warsaw, all over East, Eastern Europe to promote the idea of uh, decolonizing russia the idea that russia is just intrinsically this this artificial state that should be undone by giving re- uh devolving authority and 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 sovereignty to the local regions of different ethnic groups and having them become little separate microstates mm-hmm. um so they're still pushing that idea it's uh yeah they want to destroy russia completely as as an entity Ever, that yeah, just like they want to do for China too. They have the same maps to to break up China into something like seven different micro states controlled by the IMF. They, same thing.
0: Wow, wow. Uh, Matthew Erard is with us. So before we do a break and we'll get into Putin's speech, let's kind of lay the groundwork. And is uh, what I understand with is this close that that Putin really just didn't want NATO broad strokes in the Ukraine, and this is what started this whole war. Is that close? I mean, he just didn't want NATO on his border, right? Isn't there 250 miles of Ukrainian-Russian border? He didn't want their rockets 10 feet from his his border, pretty much.
1: Yeah, he, he wanted pretty much a buffer um, to prevent exactly what has happened every single time Russia has been <laughs> attacked from the the time of Napoleon. Wow. Um, to I mean, the Germans. There are times in between as well. Um, and they always what what happens is that, especially with the case of Germany, they always need to enter Russia somewhere. And they need they, they've tended to select things like Poland, Ukraine as entry points to invade. Um, Russia could clearly see the growth of NATO and the ambitions after the Soviet Union collapsed of a global NATO mm-hmm. to have full monopoly over all nuclear uh, strike potential anywhere in the world. And uh, Putin called it out in his Munich defense conference speech of 2007 people can listen to that he's very clear that he's simply saying this this idea of encircling and containing russia with missile a missile shield that we know is directed against us because he's like yeah i know you're building up this missile shield in poland romania and everything else with the argument that it's to stop big bad iran from attacking europe but honestly we know it's actually us stop bluffing and um, hmm. everyone denied him, saying, no, 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 it's really just Iran. And they said the same thing to, to the Chinese uh, on the Pacific side when China was saying, we're really troubled by this missile shield in South Korea and, you know, the the thou- hundred thousand u.s military troops stationed around china's perimeter with the military bases in japan and we're really bothered by this and and the argument being made to them was no 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 it's all (laughs) about north korea they're loco don't worry we we like you china and now it's become they're not no one's even denying it really at this point it's really this is a containment not just against russia and china but also that can be converted into an offensive force very very easily with um various missiles missile systems that have been installed also in the arctic in, in alaska and soon canada um, that could deploy offensive nuclear warheads against russia uh, you know and if you include hypersonics into that hypersonic technology into that mix that puts you know ukraine if ukraine were to host western controlled missiles which is what zelensky has called for and many western uh, NATO files have want this badly then, yeah, that puts a, a strike seven minutes away from mm. uh, Moscow. But mm. that, that's unacceptable. And, and Putin said for eight years, that's all is just sign something in writing that will keep Ukraine a neutral buffer zone, keep them neutral. And uh, that's all. And, you know, they didn't their, The handlers of Zelensky did not want to let that happen. They want to use it for other purposes.
0: So this is just an ongoing plan to close in, is what they want to do. And this, close in on, and eventually just take him over, take Putin over, or assassinate him. Yeah, by. they
1: want they want to be able to sit down at the table with Putin, or ideally, actually what we're seeing now from people like Bolton, um, is they want to, actually, they're coming to the realization that they, they have to kill Putin, which Bolton recently literally called for the assassination yes, of Putin. I saw that, yeah. oh, no. Yeah. Um, which is weird because they keep on telling us in their in their propaganda agencies that uh, Russia is, is being defeated in Ukraine. It's only a matter of time before they're completely defeated and humiliated. That's within, all we see you know,
0: here. That's all we it's
1: see like if they here. Really, I know. And then it's like if they really were that close to being defeated, if they really were that weak, why are you saying that the only way to stop Russia is to kill Putin? Eh, it makes no sense. So they're, they're but what they want to be able to do is to tell the Russian leadership that um we have won, we have won. There's nothing you can do to retaliate against a nuclear strike because we have you completely encircled with technologies we don't even have yet because frankly, Russia has even like unveiled new generation um, response technologies with advanced hypersonics, underwater drones, um, wow. nuclear powered uh, missiles that can fly for almost days on end in in stochastic maneuvers where you can't really predict where it's going to be uh, before actually sit, being sent down to uh, hit its target. So they, they've unveiled since 2018 uh, technologies that are far beyond the capabilities of anything the West has done as it has just sort of sat in arrogance for the past 30 years thinking that they won the world since 1992. They haven't really invested or maintained their, their military systems. Now we have, and this is not a bad thing necessarily because this puts now Russia into a state where it can always say in response, well, you say that you got us encircled, but reality you could probably get a lot of damage onto us. You could probably do a lot of destruction to Russia, but the idea that we can't retaliate is no longer valid. We can, we will destroy anything and any, uh, anybody who is hosting this aggression against us. So we're going to take you down too. you. And then the question is do you really want to just have blow up the world and everybody does do, do even the oligarchs uh want that outcome of reigning over a world from their underground you know bunkers for the next several generations is that really so. an out- I, I don't think that they really want that they yeah. would prefer a world that is not under nuclear winter so
0: yeah yeah yeah, uh, wow. yeah. okay let's take a little break here with uh, matthew Arrett. uh and uh, what do you think if you'd like to come in Please join the show, Patrick, at OneRadioNetwork.com and uh, we'll tell you of all the different places you can look at Matthew's stuff. I mean, you can tell this guy, man, he's a geeky and he's looking at these things that, uh, and I, you know, you listen to the radio here and uh, you know, driving around and it's just like a fairy tale what, what's going on with this Russia thing. So Putin had quite a speech and uh, we put it on our little uh, social media and on our website for a long time and We're going to dig into it with Matthew Everett here in just a moment and see what old Putin had to say for himself. And uh, um, I think you'll all find it interesting.
2: Before I start my work day, I like to get my workout in. It makes me much more effective throughout the rest of the day. Now, one of my favorite supplements to use in conjunction with my training is Sir Thrival's Elk Antler. These are sustainably and humanely harvested from U.S. free-range animals. Now what's interesting about elk, deer, moose, all these animals we call the cervids, is they're the only mammals who have an organ that actually falls off and regenerates every year. These elk antlers grow out in just a matter of a couple of months. In order to grow like that, they need growth factors, steroidal compounds that cause that rapid growth those can actually be harvested, freeze dried, and put into solution that you can actually utilize in your own body. Now there's been a back and forth history with this being banned for doping in professional athletics. Currently, it is legal, except that it is really rich in IGF-1, which is a banned substance. Now, of course, this is a natural substance. This is not a steroid, but when you look at natural substances, you won't find anything more powerful than elk antler for recovery, for lean muscle growth and maintenance, for metabolic enhancement, and for recovery after injuries and surgery. This is incredible stuff. If you're looking for a natural supplement that boosts your metabolism, helps you grow lean body mass, burns fat, increases libido and energy levels, and helps your body regenerate from your workouts or from injuries or surgeries, take a look at Sir Thrival's elk antler.
0: That all sounds good to me, right? Yeah, I want some of that. (laughs) <laughs> we take it also the pine pollen and the colostrum so it's it's it really is a a nice product so thrival products on oneradionetwork.com just click on any link there and uh, and we'll uh, we'll hook you up here it's um really really a good company i've known daniel for for a very long time um we recently had a doc on the show and we're going to have him on in a few days i think oh i think maybe even tomorrow again i'll have to look but he's, uh, he's working with this thing that called cancer, and uh, we, he heard us talking about the hydrogen, and then he said this. Recently, Dr. Al Dannenberg, who's healing from cancer, said this about hydrogen.
3: Can I interject one thing? Whatever you We're want. Just about molecular hydrogen. It is an amazing technology or research. It's got... Over 15 years of clinical studies. It is part of my protocols. I use molecular hydrogen in high concentration. I use it in water. There are great studies with all kinds of diseases, like some of the doctors that were on your commercial that were speaking. Without a doubt, it is the best discriminating antioxidant around. And it is all biologically normal. Our body uses hydrogen for almost every metabolic pathway. There is interesting research for cancer patients with molecular hydrogen. There is a very strong indication that it can be beneficial. So I use it. You know, cancer hmm. is a disease of metabolic dysfunction and mitochondrial dysfunction
0: that's fascinating technology we've been using ours for three years now if you'd like to get one go to one radio networkcom use promo code one radio for a 20% discount lifetime warranty one year no questions asked money back guarantee for one year promo code one radio 20% off hydrogen Browns gas machine right now on one radio Know the Source on One Radio Network. We're talking about all things over there in Europe and everywhere and uh, Mr. Putin in Russia and um, with Matthew Aret, who's an author of four books, a researcher, and he's got a lot of cool... You can sign up for Substack and everything will tell you how to get his writings. Well, um, in your opinion, before we get into this speech... um, what would you say and you look at these things carefully matthew is putin's game plan now to just take over ukraine and have that much of a buffer is that what he wants to do and do you think i mean
1: well he's def- since the kurch bridge has been uh, oh. was was destroyed yeah was not destroyed i mean they, they've they've got, I think they've already uh, fixed it
0: haven't they a bit yeah
1: it's a big chunk of it so there is civilian traffic now moving across the bridge and, mm-hmm. and it was a key strategic artery for supplies and support to, from russian mainland to uh, crimea and yeah it, it was a, a pretty nasty uh, you know hit that was taken it seems from the some of the footage um that I've seen there was some interesting footage regarding what appears to be an underwater drone which coincided with the passage of the truck laden with explosives above um above the bridge um so there there was something pretty malicious there i don't know what all the details are definitely you know the, all of the signs point to a, a western provocation um whether it was kiev going at it alone or whether they had a guidance from their handlers i don't really know but since that time, um, there has been just t- today, this morning, I woke up and, and saw that Russia de- had very clearly changed uh, tactics and uh, had launched counteroffensives against something like 50 different targets. A lot of it being uh, various types of infrastructure that support uh, military systems. Maybe there was some civilian um uh, casualties collateral damage in that process in and around kiev and a few other cities i'm not too sure of the details we're still very it's at a very early phase where it's tough to sort of parse through um what is propaganda what is re- the reality on the ground um this
0: was I mean, his response to the bridge thing right he wanted to come yeah,
1: out i mean because oh. i mean at the end of the day like nato uh britain the u.s have been supplying germany have been just pouring billions of dollars worth of of weapons and supplies into kiev where a nazi laden um regime i mean even though zelensky is is jewish it's been demonstrated thoroughly the the power and clout of the various nazi actual nazis yeah
0: real nazis yeah
1: because regalia the head of their the ukrainian military had a little bracelet with a swastika on it um no it's it's everywhere and and so putin has come out much more clear now on that it's not simply adequate to simply preserve the the lives and integrity of the East Donbas, East, you know, the the dominant Russian ethnic speakers who voted very last week to rejoin um, mainland Russia, which they did in a near, I mean, near unanimous really? set of votes oh. in the referenda, oh. all four regions, oh. Oh, over well over ninety percent uh, positive votes for rejoining Russia. But he said that no, at this point. It's clear that with Zelensky's recent belligerent statements calling for NATO's preemptive nuclear 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 bombing of Moscow and and Russia more broadly, this is not something we can tolerate, this ideology on our borders. And as Zelensky even said, he refuses not only to speak to Putin, he will only speak to the next Russian leader installed to replace Putin. So there's no there's no possibility of avoiding a broader war at this point unless this nazi problem with all of their puppet regime operatives who are were installed by western um agents starting in 2014 with the u.s run maidan it's been proven you know victoria newland even said you know f the eu on her famous phone call with uh, jeff i I think that's
0: still on youtube you can hear it today i can't believe they haven't taken it down (laughs)
1: <laughs> I keep on trying to take it down, and then it pops up somewhere else. See, so I it's see, one yeah. of these little fires that keep on. You know, the more yeah. you try to pat it out, the more the more fires pop up. <laughs> but it's it's very clear what it is, and uh, wow. and so you know now there's they're targeting now um, the various means by which the regime is the Kiev regime is receiving their support, and we're we'll see where it goes. Wow. I don't really know uh, what the tactics are going to be going forward, though. This is what a mess. change.
0: We we talked to uh, Russell Bentley in Donetsk a couple of times, and pretty mm. cool patriot. He actually fought the Nazis in in, yeah. in the army there in the Ukraine. He was fighting them. This whole thing with the Nazis, and he says they're everywhere over there. They're just filthy oh, yeah. Ukraine. Not and these are real Nazis, like higher Heil Hitler swastika dudes, right? Bad. Oh men. Yeah, yeah, bad guys. They're- they
1: have to do a, I mean, the the, the NATO propagandists have their, their work cut out for them to try to fudge mm. that data. And, you know, you, you still see it getting through. Like on Women's Day, NATO, promote, you know, posted a bunch of images of female Ukrainian soldiers on their official NATO website. And it didn't take long for people to look a little bit more closely at these women. And they're like, wait a minute, what are
2: these symbols?
1: <laughs> and They're goodness. like blacks, black, Nazi black son of the occult symbols on that they wow. put onto their uniform." And it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> last time that was used, <laughs> that and they, didn't go well. They've
0: been in there a long time ever since the, the war, right? The World War II and just hanging out there, wanting to take Russia, well, to get in there or what, you know?
1: Yeah, a lot of it was underground. Um, a lot of it was due to this support provided, like a lot of the key Ukrainian uh, leading Nazis like Stefan Bandera and Nikola Lebed and many, many others who worked very closely. I mean, Bandera... He wanted his own independent, ethnically cleansed uh, Ukrainian fascist state, independent of even Nazi handlers or Soviet or anybody. He, he was a little bit more radical. So he was uh, he was ultimately they had to put him in. The Nazis had to put him in jail after <laughs> working with him for a few, I think, a few weeks. And they're like, this guy's too, too he's too unhinged. <laughs> but uh, but as soon as the war was over, I mean, and, and he did oversee the murder of tens of thousands of Slavs and Jews and Poles while he was in a position to do things about that in Ukraine. Um, But, you know, he had other leading organization of Ukrainian nationalist leaders like Nikola Lebed, who was more than happy to work with the Nazis, or Christia Freeland, the the deputy prime minister of Canada, Mm -hmm. her grandfather was the leading propagandist for Goebbels in, uh, in Ukraine. And these guys were not, they didn't retire after World War II and they weren't punished after World War II. They were simply absorbed. They were hired by MI6, by the CIA, to go to work along with leading Nazis like uh, Reinhard Galen and his entire Nazi apparatus, this is the, Hitler's top intelligence operative, who ran the entire Nazi intelligence network internationally. They were all put to work running terrorist operations, uh, s- cells that became... Um, terrorist groups that carried out assassinations of leading American uh, American as as well as big time European uh, statesmen who didn't want to bend to a neo Malthusian fascist order. They carried out terrorist attacks against civilian sectors to keep the the populations, the civilian populations running into the the warm embrace of right wing governments controlled by London and Wall Street during the war against Soviet communism. And so during the Cold War, everything was justified. as long as it was against big bad russia and the the communist bolshevik threat everything was justified huh. and we overthrew dozens of regimes around the world and killed leaders in africa and south america because of the fact that they might otherwise ally themselves with socialists which that was the greatest of all evils and so yeah the 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 now third fourth generation nazi movement in ukraine who has been carefully Maintained by propagandists over years, and they went underground for a certain period in Ukraine. But as soon as the Soviet Union melted down, you had a lot of them come out from the basement mm-hmm. and were deployed to create things like the Svoboda Party in the early nineties. Uh, the the you know various groups that started openly talking about their affiliation and and love admiration for the Nazi movement. And especially after uh, the first color revolution in 2004 in Ukraine, they got even louder. And, uh, by 2014, they got really loud with the creation of the Azov battalion, the, the, the IDR battalion and, and many others that were openly, openly at this point wearing swastikas and, and their deputy ministers, uh, the, they're not elected, but they're like agents of the deep state who control many of the different departments within Ukraine are all members of these groups. Um, mm-hmm. And you could just see a giant list. And, and yeah, it's denied, but it's it's true and it's provable it's that's provable. the case.
0: Matthew, yeah. um, Putin's Speech, I guess, was last week. Was it last week? Uh, and uh, and I read through it again this morning in the translation that you have on your website, which thank you for that. And we ran the video. So what is your, after all this time, what has it been about a week this is something really interesting about it, the way he talked and the way he spoke and the way he was so clear about his position in the world. I, I just yeah, yeah. found no, it, it, was, fascinating. it fascinating. Yeah, it was like, whoa. It's
1: like, whoa. Yeah, it was, it was a very clear-headed speech and uh, he wasn't beating around the bush. He literally said, you know, at this point, we're dealing with a force that is only describable as a satanic force. Huh. There's no other way to describe it at this point. Wow. Um, I've never heard him use such language, but it's true. And I, I mean, I, I loved how he you know, described within it. Uh, we're, talk, we're always lectured about the uh, rules-based order, but who created these rules? Whoever, who has ever seen these rules? Who voted on them? It's, uh, it doesn't mean, it's meaningless. Um, it, he literally says here, the West is ins- insisting on a rules-based order. Where did that come from? Where did that come from anyway? Who has ever seen these rules? Um, listen, this is just a lot of nonsense, utter deceit, double standards, triple standards. They must think we're stupid. And then he just goes through the, the fact that, you know, like we've, we've tried very hard to work with the, the West. We've called them our friends when they were not behaving like our friends because we want to give them the space to actually act in a noble way to give them a chance to change and redeem themselves. They have not done that. And they've demonstrated that they're digging their heels down um, and they're unwilling to live in a world that doesn't involve the destruction and uh, abolishment of Russia as a civilizational force. They're unwilling to. So now he has to operate with that strategic sensibility in mind. Um, And I think he has demonstrated, along with his allies across Eurasia, most of the, the the Eurasian forces, including India, China, Iran, um, recognize that their on, their only chance of having any survival of their civilizational um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is, is going to be ensured by Russia's survival and keeping this bond very strong. Wow. And you know Kissinger is trying in his delusion to act like, oh yeah, China is, is about ready to break from Russia and, and rejoin the more rational West. I'm, I'm sure it's going to happen as soon as there there's no evidence that any of this is true they're they're just they're they're placating the 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 western elites i think are just placating themselves around stories that they tell themselves that have no bearing on reality and in a sense that's that's useful because knowing that your enemy is delusional is, is actually an asset in some ways if you're doing battle i think the russian and the chinese intelligentsia are very much aware that they're dealing with um an enemy that has lost any sense of understanding what it, what its own powers are—they're mm-hmm. projecting stories of their own capabilities that far outweigh their own ability to do things, um, which makes them delusional and will make them misstep as they have. Misstep. They can't even overthrow Syria, you know. Like that for me was a big wake-up call. Like maybe this this elite actually does not have the level of power I thought they did. Mm-hmm. When mm-hmm. the thing that was so easy for them for decades to overthrow a small country. Like like Syria has become impossible. They can't even do that. It's not like they don't want to; they just can't. Um, so it makes them dangerous to
0: too. Being that delusional, doesn't it? Because you do stupid things.
1: Well, that's a very good point. Yes, you do yeah, stupid wounded, things. wounded animal that is insecure and arrogant is not a safer animal. Yes, right, right,
0: exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you sit yeah. back and you think about what is their plan. What do they think they're going to do? Dumping all these billions of you know into Ukraine, I mean, I, I don't see an end game for them. They they know Putin's not going to back down. Do they just want nuclear war? I don't think they do. It's like you said, I don't think. Why would they want to go for their bunkers? Who's going to clean their swimming pools? You know.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Hmm. Yeah. I, um, <laughs> and where are they going to have their swimming pools? You yeah. know, like they they uh, yeah. they have. I mean, I've seen some some videos sh- featuring very luxurious. Uh, bunkers for yeah. rich people yeah. oh, looks like a very comfortable bunker you know mini upside down uh, inverted mansion lifestyle might be very pleasurable uh you could have some orgies down there and uh enjoy the caves for a long time you know they've got underground underground pools bars i'm sure they got some discos stuff like that sure <laughs> little little places to do uh sacrifices sure um that being said is that really um a preferred scenario outcome for these guys? Yeah,
0: right.
2: No, no,
1: no, no. it's not a preferred scenario outcome. No. That's, that's one of the least preferred things as far as the scenarios are concerned. And uh, the risk factor is very high that this is not going to work out, that the world will be uninhabitable for hundreds or thousands of years if every single nuclear you know warhead is launched. I mean, we don't know the outcome of that sort of thing. Of course. So um, I think what you have is some of the... There's there there's factionalization as far as I could see I, I I do tend to agree with elements of of Tom Luongo's analysis on this uh, the faction fights and infighting within the oligarchy which to the degree that things go go according to plan they get along with each other just fine to the degree that things break down from the script you start getting hectic yet yeah, infighting and uh, I, I'm getting a sense of that there's 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 different points of evidence we see um, on a numerous point of Uh, numerous fronts one of which that i find the most interesting is how different agents who i know are transhumanist synthetic shells who are just simply um put out there for popular consumption to to sort of shape the zeitgeist people Mm -hmm. like elon musk richest guy in the world uh trans open transhumanist with a with an occult occult wife and mother and, and into some nefarious material but that being said this guy is um he, ha- he has been deployed again as a synthetic shell. There is nothing behind the eyeballs. People say, oh, what a great genius. No, um, he, he has handlers just like any of these front guys do like Bezos, you know, or, or any of the new new space movement um, mm-hmm. individuals, mm-hmm. self-made billionaires who just rose out of their their, their garage um, to become <laughs> World Economic Forum young leaders and, and leaders of privatization of space exploration and, and no, I'm sorry. But all that to say what he's been uh, deployed to do and, you know, through his recent interventions, both on the Ukrainian Russian front by saying something rather sane in his tweet, which earned him a lot of uh, hate, which was simply like, let's have um, let's actually work at at maybe redoing these these elections uh, with U.N. observers. And if we get the same type of popular outcome Let's all just agree that these regions uh, of of Kherson and, and Zaporizhia and, and Donetsk and, and Lugansk are actually Russian. We'll agree to keep Ukraine uh, neutral. We'll agree that Crimea is is part of Russia as it always has been until Khrushchev's error or blunder, which he used those words, which is strong to use those words. Um, and then he's he's also come out saying something very similar on on the Taiwan front, which has earned him the thanks of the, the, Chi- the Chinese ambassador to the United States, where he had a, a very eminently sane uh, comment regarding what could be a more constructive outcome in Taiwan, which is be also being used kind of like Ukraine of the Pacific against China. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's representing, I think he has handlers <clears throat> who represent a faction of the oligarchy, which is realizing they need to change strategy. Then you have other factions of the oligarchy that are just doubling down, that are incapable of changing strategy. And we'll see. This, in my mind, though, is very similar to what we saw in World War II when a big there was a, an obvious faction fight amongst the British governing elites who had put a lot of work into bringing up fascism, eugenics, Hitler, as the, the enforcers of their planned new world order of a global fascist system with regional strongmen. Under the service of a, a, a city of London governing class of of masters, and you know when it became increasingly evident that Hitler was not willing to uh, to be the junior partner, but wanted to be the the senior partner in that relationship, with Britain being their, the 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 subsidiary to or the the underling to uh, a Nazi Reich global governance, some of the the British. Governing class were more than happy to continue on with the, the original New World Order script. And it is like a bad movie script. And, and to this group, I, I include people like King Edward VIII, who taught young Elizabeth the Hitler salute, who was always willing to become the Nazi king and be repositioned back into, into Britain, or Lloyd George, who had great ambitions to become prime minister of, of Britain once again. And he was the Nazi prime minister, even more Nazi than, than Neville Chamberlain. Um, you, you had, um, Oswald Mosley, who was very in bed with leading Fabian society operatives like the webs, Beatrice and Sidney Webb, as well as, you know, George Bernard Shaw and and many other Fabians and Rhodes scholars were very much closely aligned with, uh, Oswald Mosley, the head of the British union of fascists. They were all willing and happy to take power. And many of the, the oligarchs of Britain were happy to get behind them. And it was only the other faction around another group of uh, a fellow named uh, leo amory who said well no we should probably change strategy here we, we've created a frankenstein monster let's try to let's abort and try to fight another day using a slightly more um subtle maybe strategy than simply what we we're doing I Understand. so i see something very similar to that parallel going on right now
0: <laughs> so uh, uh, back to the speech uh, i found it fascinating that putin he dug in a little bit to Vietnam and the napalm, and and he's really building this idea of the West is Satan, and these guys are crazy and transhumanism. And um, isn't it interesting that you have a, a country like Russia calling out, which is probably pretty true? I mean, you know, it's probably pretty accurate of what he's saying, right? I mean, the West has been doing some pretty bad things for a long, a long time. You know, they just have.
1: Oh yeah, they no, just I mean have, he went. He went into some deep, uncomfortable history that yeah. many people have preferred to ignore. And yeah, I mean, he made a point, and this is good that he understands the current situation as the consequence directly of these longer uh, historic atrocities mm-hmm. that I mean, and he cites the, the the decades of opium wars right. designed specifically, as he calls out, with the intent of spiritual, psycho-spiritually destroying uh, China in the 19th century and beyond. Uh, yeah, the the... The, the, the spiritual warfare, which has a material component in the form of their their beating down of Vietnam through napalm and other psychological terror campaigns, mm-hmm. um, they mm-hmm. wanted to destroy the spirit of the people with the effect of having a, tr- a a shock therapy in order to wipe entire civilizations' memories collectively clean to be reconstructed like blank slates, programmed like human computers as as the the governing class in the Managing things like Davos want, they, they perceive human beings are kind of like machines to yeah, be right. reset on right. and off if you don't like their, their programming um, under new programs that are more in conformity with the governing classes uh, ideology, which is transhumanism. Getting rid of the ideas of, of values, of morality, of ethics, of the family, respect yeah. for your elders, respect for your your unborn children. All of these things have to be wiped out in the mind of the oligarchy to have that perfect crystallized feudal system of controls with a transhumanist post post nation state post truth uh, world of ma- human machines which is what they tried to do for russia with russia in the 1990s and
0: putin went into this in the speech and he really talked about this whole thing where he sees it very clearly what's going on he sees it very very clearly clearly oh yeah oh it's strong very strong
1: Hmm. yeah i mean you know he gets across that korea japan are are still just trauma cases from the american war in korea that that never ended there's still 28,000 u.s troops in the population And governing class are the victims of this trauma that they were put through in the abuses of the the unnecessary wars in korea and then japan as well they've never recovered psychologically as a people from the unnecessary nuclear bombing yeah that was done for no reason they were in in the middle of peace negotiations to surrender right and that was done both to send a message to russia and to say that, you know, your your idea of a, of a U.S. that's friendly to you, that you thought you had with Franklin Roosevelt as your friend, that's over now. Roosevelt's dead. His allies are uh, we've destroyed his allies. And now there's a new game in town and you are the enemy of this new game, uh, Russia. And so they also wanted to send that message to, to Russia and, and to China and any other country that. Was c- confused about the nature of the new America after World War II, and also to Japan. They wanted to just completely wipe the slate clean, which they've done pretty well. Which is why Japan still, to this day, is not an independent country. It's a, it's a, it's a client state, and it's it's a, it's a colony of the military industrial complex, with fifty thousand U.S. troops to this day still based in Japan. In Japan, and, and God knows how. I mean, there's I think over a hundred thousand U.S. troops in, in Germany. Um, it's a it's a colony. Germany has never had independence after World War II. Even before World War II, it was not an independent country. It's always been a colony um, hmm. of the this industrial complex. Hmm. Wow. So, and Putin called all this out.
0: Yeah, he even called out the idea that they even uh, smashed uh, Germany. Uh, they didn't even need to. They they just all oh, the bombing
1: of Dresden. Yeah, yeah and yeah,
0: all uh, of that. It was yeah. just unnecessary, totally unnecessary.
1: Wow. Yeah. All I mean yeah, he calls that out too. He makes a point that, yeah, the the uh, the allies, <laughs> especially Britain took the lead in this at the time of targeting not just civilian sec- uh, sectors that had no combatants within Germany, but all of the historic heritage sites, museums, things that really held the treasures of and the deep memories of the best of what Germany was, were targeted specifically. And this is what has been done systemically for the last eighty years. You know, when we bombed Iraq, we targeted, their museums. We targeted sure. civilian infrastructure. We targeted their cultural memory centers. Same thing for Libya. Uh, we did that with Syria. This is what was deplo- What ISIS was deployed to destroy in uh, very you know Palmyra, when the ancient city of Palmyra that goes back two thousand years. That's what ISIS went out to destroy. Was all of the artifacts, all of the the manuscripts, the statues, everything that reflected a a, a Renaissance tradition that goes back. Millennia again—that was all being wiped out in in this Dark Age cult. It's a, it's a, a Dark Age death cult, which is why Zbigniew Brzezinski created Al Qaeda because they like that sort of thing. They like that that variant of 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 perverted Islam that that wants to recreate the world from scratch. It's completely in conformity with the Great Reset ideology.
0: Yeah, and then he digs in during the speech of of the deep history and the religion and the people and the culture and the family and the whole thing, completely opposite of where the United States is going and these globalists are driving this country here. Wow.
1: Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah, he says, we're not going to have we're nope. parent number one, three, parent number three. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, we, we believe in still the existence of man and woman. Um, yeah. If you want to, you know, just to be clear, like Putin is not uh, anti-gay in that sense. Like, you're you're allowed to be a gay person. There's no law saying you're not allowed to do whatever you want to do in your bedrooms in russia you can even have uh, gay pride parades they have them you see videos of really? gay pride parades in russia it's not illegal you just can't proselytize you can't teach kids before they have critical thinking that they might actually be you know gender non-binary or and stuff when you're five years old or or you can't promote it in the in the mass culture that's not what you can do but you can be whatever you want to be and a lot of there's a lot of gay activists in russia who have come out saying clear clearing the uh, uh, the misinformation on this, and have come out speaking very much as i'm as i'm speaking that uh that their that their entire um movement has been co opted by Western propagandists to try to push a regime change of an entire uh not just nation but civilization in russia um mm-hmm. so yeah no, but putin mm-hmm. has come out very clear in that speech as well that we're we're out to resist this transhumanist idea of the family and and everything else
0: wow uh Russell writes and he's from uh South, uh, Salt Lake City. Oh, that's a great town. Uh, what does Matthew know about these bioweapons? Did Putin know that they existed? And has he destroyed them, bioweapon labs in Ukraine.
1: Oh, yeah, there's there's a lot. And that was admitted to by Victoria Newland and and others after denying their existence for a very long time. Um, once Russia came in and began commandeering at least some of the laboratories that were existent in the uh, eastern part of Ukraine, Victoria Newland famously said, yeah, they're actually not bioweapons facilities. They're uh, bio laboratories. But and then she said in the, in the same breath, but they could be used to create weapons if the Russians control them. And it's like, wait a minute. You're saying when you were controlling them, it was safe. And now when the Russians are controlling them, it's all of a sudden a weapon. Wait a minute. Um, no, for sure. There, there's at least 46 uh, within 46, Ukraine that were built 46. up. Wow. That was the last wow. estimate that I read. Um, hmm. There, A lot of them were built up, um, especially after the, the first color revolution in 2004. And that was the same year that Dick Cheney uh, created the BioShield Act, the Bioshield Act was the response to the anthrax attacks, of, uh, which were, I think, four or five anthrax attacks, mm-hmm. all inside jobs starting in September 18th, 2001. Again, inside jobs, not real. But it was done to create that idea that we need to now put billions of dollars into creating bioweapons facilities around the world with BSL-4 labs and other things in order to experiment with other, pretty much everything. We the, the, the logic was absurd. It was like because our enemies real or imagined could feasibly create any type of biopathogen from a lab that could be weaponized to hurt us. We should do it first. And thus we should create every possible imaginal revival of black plague, weaponized smallpox, Corona, everything you could imagine. We're going to, we're going to do so that we can have the antidotes to all of these things. Now that was always bunk. The premise was always bunk. And, uh, and georgia and ukraine were both two zones selected to host hmm. major uh bioweapons facilities obama and uh, Luke senator lugar another road scholar were deployed to georgia at the same time to start setting up the uh, the obama lugar facilities at the time when obama was still a senator um and that became something i think there i don't know how many exactly but there's i think even more of these facilities in georgia there's there's facilities that Obama created while he was president in South Korea, uh, using different forms of bioweaponized anthrax and other things, um, hmm. with the idea of targeting various geno you know genotypes ethnic ethnic genotypes of the the Han Chinese or the Slavs or other things, which is I think personally in my in my analysis I think this is also what the Chinese have been very concerned about. Like, why is China acting so paranoid over the past two and a half years with over the top responses to um, COVID? In my analysis, um, I think that they understand that there is planned there. There there has been already smaller degree bio attacks onto the Chinese livestock, onto various, you know, uh, civilian centers. The, The Russians have spoken about this since 2018. Putin did refer to this in his recent speech that we're talking about today. Mm-hmm. But I think that they're planning for a, a like a new hardcore assault and I think they want to have maximum control in a in a in a in a global systemic breakdown that Russia, China, everybody understands. The western banking system is set to to blow yeah. as a time bomb. That's what it was designed to do. And with that will be a whole variety of nonlinear assaults onto the, the perceived enemies of the unipolar West, including bio warfare. So I think China wants to create as much of, a, of an extraction as much as possible of the CIA and other operatives, which a big chunk of the, uh, the surveillance state has made it very difficult, if not impossible, as John Bolton himself admitted, for CIA and their assets to receive payment to operate various front organizations cannot even operate as they used to freely in the nineties. And and even to just even five, six years ago, they can't operate in China anymore. Um, Same thing for Russia. That's why they kicked out Soros in 2015. And they're, I think, gearing up for bio warfare in a more aggressive way. I think even possibly that the, whatever was deployed, whatever it was, I don't think that the world health organization was telling the truth, but when we saw hundreds of images of Chinese people like collapsing, after like very quickly contracting something and then keeling over. I don't think that um, it was what we were told it was. I don't think that they were faking it as many like Steve Bannon have been saying, oh, they were faking it to work with the world health organization and create a Chinese, a Com run world order. No, I think that something was deployed that hurt their, their ethnic types a lot more than it hurt uh, Caucasians. Same thing for the Iranians. I don't think the, the Iranians have been working uh, with, you know, to create an an Iranian China controlled world order to sabotage the West, as Steve Bannon would have us believe, Um, I think that something did target their high level military officials early on in the early months of of COVID in 2020. High level officials uh, who were targeted as enemies of the West died early on of something that wasn't the same thing that was deployed in our world, in our part of the world here. So, yeah, Russia, I don't know about the details yet. Hmm. I know that a lot of the evidence was destroyed by their Western the Ukraine's Western handlers. Um, they gave orders days before the invasion began to to destroy all of the pathogens and everything they were working on. Given, wow. They have some evidence that they have been trying to present to the United Nations uh, Security Council, which nobody except the Chinese have been willing to listen to. Um, But I don't know a lot of those details yet, so I I, I think we have to sort of still sit back and wait a bit.
0: Yeah. Um, Patrick Timpone, along with um, Matthew Arrett. Stay right there, Matthew. Let's do a little quick little break here, and then we'll be back, and we'll wrap it up. If you have a question for him, uh, I have a couple emails in here. Uh, Go ahead and do it. Do it now before we lose him, and he'll um, go back and walk the lands of Canada where he lives. Yeah, this is a a great product. If you've not tried this product, uh, I think you should. Previously on our show, we talked to the now legendary Dr. Dietrich Klinghardt, and he mentioned sulfur. He's a fan. The conditions in our world and our environment are changing so dramatically that people need to have a whole host of self-help tools and methods Mm -hmm. and. I'm I'm very uh, thrilled about your your version of MSM it's a, it's the a right way to go you know sulfur is is part of most of the detox enzymes and, and the critical part that is right now we have a much much higher need of of healthy sulfur than we had even 10 years ago and so you're um, i followed your work a little bit you know that you're you're on the right track with what you're what you are uh, promoting. And- well, Dr. Klinghart, we've heard from thousands of people over the year how they really love this product. You can click and order our Pure Sulphur, three prices, United States, Canada, and worldwide, right here, or email me, Patrick at One Radio Network.com, for a discount for more than four pounds. Pure Sulphur, one of the few places where you can get this product. One Radio Network.com. I met Andrew Goss, a currency historian, in 93. We became good friends, started doing radio shows back then. And then in 2008, we did a weekly show called The Real World of Money. One of my best buds ever, but he, he had the uh, the gall to leave us and go off to another land, wherever we go when we leave here, about three years ago. And his partner, Fred Dashevsky regrouped and rebooted his company to U.S. Coin Capital. Fred's a good man, Uh, very solid, really understands the gold and silver coin market, and um, as Matthew alluded to a little bit, and uh, we've talked with Tom Luongo and some other people, and Martin Armstrong, and we'll do more conversations on it. Uh, The recent one we had with John Titus, who's out of control, really a good guy. He was on last week, and we're still streaming that one. This whole banking system, and I think it's gonna start in Europe, and then they're going to bring it over here. Is going to explode because they're just what they do. Uh, you have a fiat currency and uh, all of this uh, new dollars and euros out there. Bank of Japan and Bank of England. Now they're printing more. Um, you know, it, everybody's printing, and uh, and now they're raising interest rates because they say that's going to curb inflation. The whole thing is just upside down. It's crazy. Well, this is a long and a short way of suggesting that having some gold and silver coins in your underwear drawer is not a bad idea. It's a good idea. Now, the dollar's still very, very strong uh, because, well, everything else is pretty weak. So the dollar's still, U.S. index, is 113, 114, huge. But it's not going to stay there. Uh, There's probably $40 trillion out there, and uh, they're going to come home to roost, especially when Europe starts really taking the, biting the biscuit uh, uh, in the next few months and also in 2023 of uh, the EU, rather, Europe, the EU. So these dollars are going to come back here and uh, I think inflation is here to stay. So that means I think the gold and silver coin, gold and silver spot prices, even though they are manipulated and controlled, they're going to have to go up just supply and demand. So uh, we think it's a good move. Get yourself some gold and silver coins, 800 It's kind of nice way you can get... Go in early or go in, you know, get some silver on sale at 20 bucks, whatever it is. And uh, you don't need a, uh, you know, a whole bunch of money, thousands of dollars. And, uh, you know, just buy some once a month. Fred's number is 800-878-2646. 800-878-2646. U.S. Coin Capital. Check Check them out. Know the source on one radio network. Well, Matthew aired the EU with this pipeline thing and the banking. Uh, it's going to be cold. It's going to be a cold winter over there, isn't it? It really doesn't look well for these people. Wow.
1: No, it's it's uh, sure. it's very scary. I. Uh... I don't know. Um, I was uh, I was enlivened a little bit to see that the uh, the that Gazprom was able to at least provide some yeah. disturbing news for the West, which is that they were able to stabilize the pressure in one of the lines amongst Nord Stream two, which does at least provide some wiggle room for negotiation with uh, you know those Germans right. that don't want to commit suicide and various other Europeans um, who want a lifeline. Um, that's that's one of the few optimistic elements of an otherwise dismal situation um, that's ongoing right now. I don't know. I mean, to what degree the the Europeans are willing to uh, suffer? I mean, we we see already mass protests across France, across Germany, which are going to get really loud as things get much colder. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. already, you know, there there's bizarre surveys. I mean, something like one out of four. Uh, British people have, in their, in a recent survey, have said that they are going to try to go the entire winter without using any electricity or any heating. Really? Um, oh. Because, yeah, I mean, that's huge. I mean, there, there's a, a huge proportion of pubs and restaurants that are now saying they can't survive with the current gas prices being what they are, and possibly going, becoming much worse they can't survive anymore. They're going to close. They're going to fold. I mean, there's going to be a decim If COVID was decimated small and medium businesses, this is going to be mm. uh, Armageddon for them and, and German companies as well.
0: And then you pile oh, on all the dollar. banking issues that we're hearing. Some really, oh, yeah. it could be moved.
1: Uh, yeah, I yeah. Cool. Yes. The automotive sector heavy industry is saying that they they're looking at getting out of uh europe at this point wow. which has been the lifeline the, the 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 meat and potatoes of of what sustains the 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 european economies especially germany that they're i don't i don't know like you really need to get some major change in policy fast and it seems like it you know i was talking to vanessa beely who's based in syria but she also did great work in uh as a as an election an election observer in ukraine uh-huh. uh, a couple of weeks ago she's got a lot of contacts and she was saying that you know one of the one of the 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 only sane points of of diplomatic bridge building is coming from the french uh which have a lot of private sector contacts total other other business contacts with high-level russian um businesses and, and russian government uh, officials there's there's points there of of connection also france has a big nuclear sector which gives them a little bit more a lot more um mobility in navigating through this and negotiating where other countries that don't have as much energy sovereignty are much more capable of being manipulated by the west um and don't have as much of a voice to you know to speak in in such situations merkel i think was even I, i used to criticize merkel a lot now i'm thinking damn that <laughs> I miss the good old days with Merkel, <laughs> so, yeah, right. eminently Merkel compared to the the configuration of of puppet leaders currently in play.
0: So, so, I don't so know. the b in bricks is Brazil, and so mm-hmm. what would happen if this Bolsonaro guy, a more nationalist, loses to this lefty in this runoff? I mean, I, how does that uh, even work? No, does it matter?
1: Brazil only represents like 3% of the economic power of the entire BRICS. Most of it's being carried by India and mostly China, China. as far as economic power. Russia is, is playing a key role, too, both for geopolitical purposes. But even their their contribution, the contribution of GDP, you know, as, as far as a metric to the overarching wealth and affluence of the BRICS is, is relatively small. Um, South Africa and Brazil, like I said, are really minimal. The, that being said, Uh, There's a weird situation in Brazil, which has been always a victim of Western imperial manipulations in in both Hmm. and both the right and left are are, have echo this trauma. And, you know, Lula and Bolsonaro, though they obviously hate each other, um, both have certain vices and virtues that are interesting. Um in different ways. Bolsonaro being, you know very good on uh, criticizing the loss of personal freedoms associated with the great reset agenda. It's perfectly good um, to do those things um, in the same measure he's ideologically kind of like this Austrian school to the radical degree government should do nothing for the economy, just let things be let private you know finance work out the best of all possible worlds which, unfortunately that that's not really in conformity with how reality works that that's you you the idea that the government should just d- dissolve itself in the face of economic activity especially when there's an economic collapse coming like you should be protecting the people in my view um, lula is much more pro china he's pro pro eurasia pro development of the of the belt and road um but he's stupid on um <laughs> on the whole World Health Organization narrative. Yeah, um, I think he's on that stuff. But in the same measure he wants to use, like he's been one of the clearest voices for utilizing the, the BRICS Development Bank as an actual instrument for unleashing large-scale credit for the development of all countries of the world, which it hasn't been up until it was created in 2014. But the BRICS Development Bank has been controlled by Western World Bank. Uh, a lot of UK officials have been installed to control the behavior of that of that potentially very powerful institution but have been only using it for investing in tiny little piecemeal projects in, in mostly green infrastructure so it's not even being used properly mm, wow. and uh, De silva has laid out what i've read it uh, his his uh design for what this could be and it would be damn good to have large-scale mega projects funded by uh the the BRICS bank all over the world um that would be good. So I don't know. I, I think it's it's tragic that they that the polarization of the of the Brazilian left and right are is what it is. Because both sides, it's kind of like the Bernie versus uh Bernie Sanders right. versus uh Trump yeah. uh nonconformation. They, they say the Lula
0: would be more uh positive for the rainforest, saving that puppy. Is that true, I wonder?
1: He's into he's into ecological conservationism, but at the same time he's also. Know what into that
0: yeah, you never know what that means. Yeah.
1: yeah, but like I said, he's also he's not he's also into really big infrastructure projects too, which the like the 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 ecologists that are deployed as weapons against humanity are those who say that no, no infrastructure that is big should ever be permitted to be built because all infrastructure can only hurt nature. Um to say we want to protect nature, um, while still building big projects and finding a harmonic balance, that's okay um that's actually what humans should be doing you know we could be greening deserts instead of just making what was green become deserts <laughs> as we're doing in california on
0: the energy front do you think that the these uh super elite guys way at the top of the food chain some people conjecture matthew arid that their uh, end goal is nuclear
1: what nuclear energy? nuclear
0: power yeah nuclear power that's what they want
1: that, that the that the that the oligarchy wants
0: yeah. nuclear power Right. They want. They want
1: to. Well, first of all, they would have preferred that nuclear power never would never have been created in the first place. Huh. They, they would have. That would have been their 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 best wish is that that not exist. Their, their best wish would have been that no electricity would have ever been discovered by humanity. so That we would have been <laughs> kept in a in a, in a <laughs> well, <yeah.
0: laughs>
1: Now, what the oligarchy will tend to do is, if they can't destroy creative discoveries, they'll try to co-opt and use them for themselves. Like I, I would be hard pressed to find today an oligarch anywhere in the world that would rather not have electricity though they would have, it couldn't have happened based on their system. <laughs> um, so they'll co-opt and try to use it for their advantage. Mm-hmm. That's what they'll always do. Nuclear power is something which I think they want to use for themselves, yeah, I, to a certain degree, but they, would, they don't want this to be accessible as a form of energy for the masses of the people of the world. They would mm-hmm. rather just have you know small reactors for the governing capital regions of the post-Great Reset Order and let everybody else uh, yeah. freeze and starve and die yeah. with windmills. Here's you
0: know. an email for you. Morning, thanks for the show. Is it true that a lot of Russians are trying to flee their country so they don't have to fight? Thank you. That's a big story out here in the United States.
1: Oh, sure. I mean, you, you do have, especially from like regions like Moscow and St. Petersburg. Um, you know, Moscow and St. Petersburg, the cultures in the, in the cosmopolitan cities have... Are not that different from New York, Montreal. Really? Hmm. The same type of cultural stupidity in their their TV, their their movies, their video games is just as degenerate as it is here. Is it? And oh yeah, and whole media complexes have been built up in the nineties, which still, I mean, the Russian nationalists have fought back and took control mostly of the military and intelligence capabilities of Russia. But there are still huge uh, sections of Russian. Um, banking policy still controlled by Western fifth columnists, uh, more loyal to IMF, uh, edicts than they are to the Russian people or the Russian state. Um, the cultural policy, the, the, again, the misinformation in the media is still a, a thing there, um, in Russia too. And so, yeah, you do have cases where, especially coming out of St. Petersburg and Moscow, um, thousands, many thousands of young people have chosen to, uh, leave to avoid, Fighting. Um, they're fight. reservists too you know, like these aren't just young people who are I, I get a bit confused by this because it's like you signed up for the reserves which by definition means you're prepared to be called upon in cause context of, of but they're um, leaving
0: like they don't want to fight <laughs> so
1: why, why did you even do that to begin with was, why like
0: maybe they get, get like some a money a month Maybe they get some money every month or something. I don't know. Maybe they, like
1: they wanted like some benefits that came yeah. out of it, but they didn't want to have the repercussions of actually having a p- yeah. potentially going to potentially go into conflict. So that was that was a bit weird. Um, hmm. But by and large, I think what you're seeing in the Western press is a lot of um, propaganda, reframing of images. And uh, it's not nearly to the scale and scope of what we're being told it is by western uh, media outlets
0: what's the it's press so in in russia like i mean overall big picture who can Moscow uh putin controls that
1: uh there's there's not a centralized it's not like back in the days of of soviet russia where you had pravda you right. know as the, the singular voice shaping everything kind of like today you know like today in the, in the west that's what you have is like reuters Thomson reuters associated press all the same pretty much Everything, yeah, like yeah. that's the one voice hey, around hey, which everything hey, else adapts hey, to, yeah. um, and is colored differently based upon which region of the Western colonies are supposed to receive propaganda. So things are, are emphasized differently or spun differently. <laughs> but that's what journalism you're told when when you study journalism in the West nowadays, very different from the 1960s or 70s even, where you're you're literally told your job as a journalist is to be is to receive talking points from the CIA. <laughs> Aka Reuters, same thing, and uh, and give your creative coloring to it. You know, <laughs> it's not. Journalism. Don't stray
0: too far. Don't stray too far. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah.
1: Whereas, yeah, if you look at Russian media, um, English speaking, Russian speaking, uh, Russia One, or you look at uh, Pravda. I mean, mm-hmm. even Pravda today is a is a very different beast. They're they're running articles. They had an interview that I I gave with Pravda a few months ago. Uh, they didn't censor anything I said, calling out the depopulation Malthusian order. Uh, I went pretty deep into the, the weeds here, and uh, they openly just published the whole thing. They
0: didn't care, huh? Hmm. They didn't care. You
1: know, I mean, they're, 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 the, the appreciation for a much wider spectrum of reality is highly accepted and promoted in the Russian media, by and large. But again, you have Western-leaning media outlets as well that are still permitted to operate in Russia. So anybody who says like Russia is one, Putin is one totalitarian, uh, neo, like, new fascist controller of everything, why does he permit all of these opposing voices that have been receiving CIA front group money to operate in Russia um, on, on the cultural and also news level? He's permitted them to exist. Unlike Zelensky, who's arrested all of his opposition no political parties and shut down all opposition media outlets. Um, as enemies of the state, um, and yet that's the that's the model of democracy we're being sold as the guy we have to die for. But yet Russia, which has permitted all of these opposing voices, they're the evil bad guys who want global authoritarian. You know, uh, I
0: Here's I an, an email yeah. from Robert. What is Matthew's estimation, if he can please, of the percentage of people that are supporting Putin and what he's doing in Ukraine? Can you hazard Good. a guess? The support he has. Putin for Putin. The
1: support that Putin has in, in people living in Ukraine or in Russia? Russia.
0: He wants to know so about. how many
1: that. Russian people
0: support Putin? Yeah.
1: Oh, it's a vast majority. Is it? I mean, he's got strong strong numbers. Really? Um Really? Oh, yeah. I mean, the the, the population <laughs> the every survey that I've seen um, has vast majorities. Like like the west western uh, talking head puppet uh, Want to be dictators like Biden <laughs> would? Are jealous to have the types of numbers that Putin enjoys? And I, the population, if you look at it, for the past eight years, there has been a popular clamor across the Russian people overall to go in and defend their their Russian family members, their 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 brethren living in Ukraine who have huh. been receiving terrorist attacks, onslaughts, fourteen thousand deaths by this uh, mostly Kiev-driven um process of civil war yes sir. and that's fourteen thousand deaths but i mean there's many more people who have uh, been uh, casualties of this conflict civilian centers schools hospitals have been bombed for eight years by nazis the russians have been through they know what nazism is they lost 25 million people yeah, in world war ii exactly they know what suffering is and um and they there was i mean there was a huge demand and clamor for Russia to go in consistently since the moment uh, uh, Lugansk and Donetsk originally declared independence in a popular vote back in 2014 to preserve themselves. You know, the people of Russia said have been wanting them Russia to go and defend them. And the fact that Putin finally did that, after finally realizing, OK, we've given the West every chance possible to honor the Minsk two agreements. We've given them every chance to negotiate. They've they've consciously broken every promise um, and crossed every red line. Now we're in a situation where it's a different calculus. So yeah, the the people are in a situation where they've they've now received what they by and large have wanted, which is this, you know, save save <laughs> um, Russia, save yeah. Russia, save the Russians living in Ukraine, and, and denazify. They don't want, uh, the,
0: how, how, how many people are in Russia? Is probably the biggest land mass in the world.
1: Oh yeah, but i think canada well they they were before the soviet union disintegrated by by a a huge number they lost like nearly half their population with the collapse of the soviet union and then um i think canada might be either it's it's a close it's close canada and russia are very similar at this
0: point yeah and how many do you know how many people are in what is known as russia today how many millions do we know
1: I'm not going to give an estimate because it's 200 and something million, but I'm I'm terrible at these estimates, so okay. I'm going right. to to avoid looking like a fool. I'm going to keep my <laughs> mouth shut. Well, let's not
0: do that because uh, <laughs> uh, this is from Lindsay. Thanks for Matthew. Thanks for having Matthew on the show. It's always fun when he comes on. In his opinion, if the Conservatives win next month, would anything change in Russian or U.S. policy towards Russia? That's an interesting question. I don't know. What do you think?
1: I, I think so. Yeah, really? if the if the Rhinos get wiped out and the Democrats get wiped out, as I as I hope will be the case, as it seems it will be the case.
0: Seems um, to be is. Is.
1: Yeah, I mean, depending on the on the scope and degree of the election fraud, I have no idea what's being <laughs> set up um, at this point. Um, that being said, if, if things go the way I think that the popular uh, voice demands, then um, certainly the 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 pro-Trump Republican um, officials who will be taking office certainly have a much more rational view on the Russian situation. Trump has spoken, at least on this point, pretty good. Yeah, Yeah, he's spoken very, very, very forcefully. And and it's even acknowledged by the former um, American ambassador to Ukraine who participated in uh, Trump's impeachment uh, or the attempt to, to impeach Trump. Um, where she even said she gave an interview arrogantly saying, yeah, if Trump was in office, there would be no Russian invasion because he would have acquiesced to Russia's desires. And that's why it's so good that Trump is gone because there's now like World War III danger. It's insane. <laughs> I know. Um, so,
0: hmm. yeah, no,
1: yeah, I think the conservatives, the non the non Rhino uh, Republicans would would be a breath of fresh air on that foreign mm-hmm. policy front. Yeah.
0: I can't imagine where all this money is going to. I mean, you don't even want to think about that. It's got to be a money laundering operation that's never huge, right? Billions, billions. I've even oh, I've God. even seen stories where God. some of these weapons are ending up when they're selling them to Germany.
1: Oh man, yeah, no, there there are so many. I mean, the Russians had a bit of a joke where they had bad stuff going howitzers. Uh, it was like the French howitzers. So the the a, a bunch of Ukrainian platoons that were, had these giant French howitzers, selling for. I mean, these are like. 20 million dollar uh you know uh pieces of artillery and uh to make a buck they sold them to the russians for like two hundred thousand dollars. like it was <laughs> like a 99 <a> discount <laughs> and the russians are just like taking pictures laughing the
0: like, russians oh, not to germany but to Russia. <laughs> they sell them to russia
1: in this case in this particular instance i don't know they were if they were using like a front uh middleman purchasing it or not but yeah just to say <laughs> like these guys cared more about the money they were making they didn't have any passion about defending ukraine um, and many of the, the fighters in Ukraine don't have a lot of heart to fight. You know, they are people who have been forcefully recruited. That's why Ukraine had such an exodus of young uh, people between the age of 16 to, to 40 uh, early on, because and they all went to like Belarus, Romania uh, to avoid the, a forceful draft. Like Russia is calling in reservists. I mean, Ukraine was going into to, to pools, beaches and simply saying, you know, uh, OK, you're part of the army now, and if you're not, If you try to run away, we'll shoot you. And that's what you've had is a policy of killing anybody who tries to surrender, who's sent to the front lines uh with uh with no proper training to be basically human cannon fodder. They try to surrender and their their superiors shoot them or they're left hanging, you know, because the policy isn't to actually win any serious victories. It's uh, you know, so yeah, I mean a lot of these people don't are not real they're not willing to die for the cause of what the hell ever is running Kiev these days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's a very different thing.
0: Well, there's an old uh, quote. I, I don't know the original, but uh, truth is the first casualty of war, right? And boy, yeah. isn't that true? That's a good one. Truth is the first mm-hmm. casualty of war. Well, Mr. Matthew, thanks for all your work. Yep. Yeah, good stuff. Tell folks about where they can find your material and how to k- get in touch with you. Kind of give them the lay down sure. of all your stuff.
1: Sure. Yeah. Uh, well, if people would like to know a little bit more about my research, uh, they can go to CanadianPatriot.org. Uh there it is on the screen. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. CanadianPatriot.org or RisingTideFoundation.net, which is another uh, website I manage uh, as a nonprofit. Um, there's a lot of videos that we're doing as well. We, we've just teamed up with a talented uh, multimedia producer uh, who's, who's just an incredibly... Um, talented artist who's now helped us make several documentaries and we're going to be making a few more huh. Um, huh. as part of this uh, the cultural warfare campaign going through a lot of deep history the current one that we're doing is on uh, the occult roots of intelligence agencies going back to ancient Athens and and uh, Albert Pike's reforms of the southern right um, all the way up to the murder of JFK So that's something that should be ready in about two weeks as a, as a feature film.
0: And where can Um, we find these videos? Where can
1: we find them all easy? First thing you see when you go to the Canadian Patriot site, you see Mm -hmm. these things. You also see our books uh, that you can purchase. If you want a free copy, send me an email. If you don't have money, I understand the times are tough. Send me an email to Canadian, Canadian Patriot 1776 at tutanota.com. And I'll happily send you a, a free PDF. And that's it. You know, that's a lot of stuff. Mm.
0: Okay, one more last one just came in. Uh before he goes, would you ask Matthew, who killed all those Ukrainians that were buried in the forest? Who killed all those Ukrainians who were buried in the forest? Do you know what she's referring to?
1: Um are we talking about the 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 World War II era stuff or the more recent uh I would atrocities? suspect
0: More recent.
1: More recent. Um what I have seen so far from the Nazis, uh, <laughs> the Azovs, and other has been a, a targeting of any civilians of Ukraine that have received or have acted in a friendly way to the Russian, the big bed orc Russian invaders. So huh. every time uh, Russia has um, pr- received support or there's any pro Russian voices, there have been there's a lot of evidence of these people receiving retaliation by the the ukrainian nazis I and being killed I um and the ukrainian nazis will even post a lot of these things on their social media accounts as well and i've i've looked at unfortunately far too many of these things and uh tainted my subconscious i think with some permanent memories <laughs> that i wish i didn't look at
0: so yeah yeah
1: the mo is on the is on the, U, the yuko nazis yeah
0: Alright, Matthew, you take care of yourself and it's always an honor. Thanks, Thanks for coming on the show, brother. Thank you. Really appreciate
1: it. Thank you, Patrick. It was oh, a pleasure.
0: All okay. right, Matthew Ert, Patrick Tempone, OneRadioNetwork.com In about 20 minutes or so we're going to uh, talk with Phil Wilson and we're going to talk about detoxification and sweating and um, some of the things that you may not know about what saunas do other than just, just sweating. So that'll be uh, in about, uh, well, he's coming on at noon. That's 20 minutes from now. And then tomorrow, uh, um, Dr. Dannenberg, he's got a new book called uh, Eat Like Your Life Depends On It. It's a great name for a book. Eat Like Your Life Depends On It. And then uh, after that, you're going to hear from Bart Kay, uh, who's a specialist in human physiology, human nutrition, and a scientist and looks back had four million years of humans, and what did they did? Human physical performance. He said, and everything that we've been taught about human nutrition is wrong, wrong. And he recently left academia permanently because he wanted they wanted to teach him falsehoods, as well as published researcher, author, reviews, lecturer, and cons- consultant. He's developed a passion for putting right the wrongs, and uh, so that is Bart K. He'll be here tomorrow right around, oh, uh, I think after Dannenberg, maybe around 11.30 or so, I think. Um, so that'll be tomorrow. And then on Wednesday so far, I think it's just going to be you and me, and I've been uh, digging even deeper into this idea of how we create disease how and how the body heals, and mainly how the body heals. And um, I think it's some good information that you're not going to find anywhere else because I'm a... Oh, I'm a pretty much a geek about these things. A spiritual geek. So that'll be on Wednesday. Hi, Doodle. So, I will see you in about 20 minutes. I love you all very much. Thanks for your support. Please uh, consider uh, donating to our little establishment here if you've got a few bucks you'd like. And we could always use a few bucks. Uh, we operate just on... Um, you know, just on commissions for sales of products. So if you see something on our website or in our store that you might be able to help you um, stay healthier, get stronger, live longer, maybe you'd consider purchasing through our website. Thanks. Love you guys. We'll see you real soon. Three minutes. Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is one